0: My name is Ryan Smith. My name is Shannon Hartley. You're listening to the Eastern Oregon Connection, a show celebrating small town community and
1: highlighting the people that make it great. We'll be talking with local business owners, nonprofits, city leaders, farmers, and a host of other interesting
0: people. We hope you'll join us for some personal stories, laughs, local news and events, and an all around good time. This is the EO Connection. This podcast is supported by Blue Mountain Community College. For over 60 years, BMCC has been committed to educational programs and services that promote personal and professional growth and strengthen our local communities. If you're looking for higher learning opportunities that don't cost a fortune, check out their technical certificates, college transfer degrees, workforce development programs, and much more. To learn more, check out bluecc.edu or stop in at one of their many facilities throughout Eastern Oregon. Thanks again for listening.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, maybe this is so. a good spot to jump in, so <laughs> <God>. <laughs> three dads here laughing and um we're talking about everything that is super positive and wonderful about <laughs>
1: only positive and things that would make our wives love them. That's right. So love us more. Love us more.
0: Marriage, uh parenthood, the household careers, all the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're here with our friend Brett Carter. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Brett here. Thanks for joining uh, us today, Brett. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for
0: inviting me. Yeah, a guy that's always a lot of fun to talk to, so I'm glad we got a chance to do it hot on the mics here today. Um, I guess if we want to take a step back and give a little background, so you're a Pendleton boy through and through, right? Mm, born and raised, yep. Graduated from, were you class
1: of 11 or 12? 12, class of 12. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
0: What do you remember about Brett
1: growing up? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, Brett was always the younger brother of, like, my best friend. <laughs> yeah. So he probably saw a lot of wild stuff that his brother and I were doing in high school. And... <laughs> I don't know. Brett was always just, like, such a good kid. Um, I don't know. You and your friends were always just gaming out. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Low key you watching you're... the other kids get in
2: trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Learning lessons from their experiences? No, I'm just yeah. So were, <laughs> were you so. the younger brother that was like, oh boy,
0: like Brian's getting beat up and in trouble for this. Like, I'm definitely not going to do that. Or uh, Let's
2: just say Brett was the mature
1: one. <laughs> yeah.
2: Brian got into uh, deeper trouble than I did almost all the time. I mean, versus me getting in deeper trouble versus him. It was definitely him. And uh, I just kind of, you know, watch him have to go through the living room talk with the parents, you know, and he's just getting it. And, you know, he's looking down like, oh, I really screwed up this time. And I'm just kind of walking over getting water from the, the kitchen and walking out like, sorry, that sucks <laughs> to be you. You know, you're getting it right, real bad right now. But, uh, um but I also looked at that and I go, I don't want that to be me, you know, like, <laughs> 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 like I don't, uh, don't want to go through that situation like that doesn't look like any fun. I and can't then, wait for Brian to listen to this. I know, yeah. Shout out Brian, we love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he probably appreciates this, but we've all grown up, right? You know, he takes, takes a few lessons to, to mature, so. Um, thankfully, he was a good role model for that, that I could just watch and observe and then uh, and just then learn not, from And his. then not do what he did. Yeah, yeah. What he did, don't do that.
1: No, we're painting <laughs> Brian in a horrible... <laughs> Brian's a great kid. He oh, yeah. graduated with like a 4.04 GPA. He was an athlete. He we, was a funny
2: kid. Everyone lit- loved him. We literally went to Blue Mountain together, had the same classes. And I'm the type that would start studying for midterm every week. You know, like I would read through the notes. And I, that was my way to process information into my brain, right, for the test. And he could literally barely take notes, go out to the casino until 2 a.m., wake up for an 8 a.m. midterm that we're in the same class for, and he could ace it, and I would get, like, a B grade. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, and he just he just had it that
0: way. I tell that same story about my wife where – one example was, like, English class in high school, and we had to learn, like, root words. So it was a lot of just memorization.
1: Ables. Yes, with yeah. with oh, yeah. yep yep. So I it was wasn't like, smart enough to be in that class, but I know, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So,
0: you, <laughs> so you'd have, like, your weekly test where you know, like, maybe a week in advance what your root words are you're going to be tested on. You can take them home and study as much as you'd like. And I'm like you. I would be studious and trying to get it nailed. And Carly would just, like, walk into class, and the two minutes before class started, skim over them and... And uh, beat me out on the grades every single week, but that's
1: that's what Jenny said too. Uh, my wife, she's just like, oh yeah, I would just read over that like maybe the night before, right before class, and I'd be good. Yeah, it just that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Everybody's got different ways of learning, and it's fun to think about. But it's wild, you mentioned you went to Blue Mountain, and
2: I'm assuming you studied ag. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I don't remember what associates I came, walked away with, but there was like three or four ag degrees that i I got from there i think i was there for two and a half years and then so so that was after high school of course and did you say they have three or four ag uh
1: programs there
2: uh so degrees so the the associate degrees that i picked up there and i think they do (laughs) so they have precision irrigation um they have uh animals science degrees and then crop production degrees. And then there might even be like ag mechanics. I think. Oh, okay.
0: I know the diesel tech program is probably not directly ag related, but close ties with a lot of just
2: the farming and equipment or operation and that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty sure that at least when I was there, we split a hall. Like the, the hallway was half diesel mechanic school and then half ag. Yeah. So we would see those kids as, you know, the classes would end. So nice. Mm-hmm. All t- tight. and.
0: So our podcast is actually supported by Blue Mountain. And so it's cool that we get to you know, just yeah. talk about her experience, and it sounds like you had a, a good one to get started anyway there.
2: Yeah, so I actually was on the uh, crew that got the bond passed, really? and then I moved on to OSU in Lagrand, and I never got to see the, an open house of what the bond actually, you know, so we, we went and talked with people and, and, and tried to, you know, kind of drum up some support for the bond. And the year that it passed, because I think the year prior it actually failed. It didn't get voted in, but then the year after it did, and I was on ASG that year, and I actually never got an open house ever on it and I helped get the bond passed, and I was like well (laughs) dang it like good for those kids but I missed out (laughs) for listeners
1: who don't know what the bond is can you explain what that what that is
2: yeah so um that year it was to rebuild the uh, I think the 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 ag learning facility or whatever there's like a shop and then like a facility for working animals and like a vet kind of like a vet part of it too Whereas before, we didn't have that. And uh, so it was that. And I think there was something supposed to go down at the pavilion and then here in town by the... the um, Roundup Grounds. By the Roundup Grounds, yep. And then there was some stuff going in at Boardman, like distance learning stuff. And then the precision irrigation that went in at Hermiston at uh, the Herrick Station. Mm. So it it was it was you know, a lot of work that year as ASG. I thought I was just jumping on because it kind of seemed like socially kind of a cool thing to jump into. And I actually jumped into the year that they actually had to pass bylaws and help get the bond passed. So it was like (laughs) working double time because they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help pay for part of your tuition. And, And, you know, it's a good time and make friends. And, you know, it's kind of a social thing. And. And I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Heck yeah. You know, it sounds like a great thing. And then it just turned into just straight work. (laughs) Like every time we'd meet, it was like, did you guys read through this section of the bylaws? I was like, oh, man, on top of homework, like you guys want us to do this too? (laughs) Anyway, so, but yeah, it it was a good
0: experience though. Sure. So. No, I'm sure that looks good on a resume and gives you some good early drop. Never skills even or... put
2: it on a resume. I didn't oh, even think man. about it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's, leader, okay. that's leadership experience too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, man. it would have been great on a resume.
1: <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: No. Well, you landed well, regardless. It sounds like. Yeah. But I've heard from a variety of folks that you know because. Shannon and I both spent some time at Eastern Go Mounties, but yep. um, wasn't connected to like that OSU Ag program at all. But you've,
2: you you uh, enjoyed that part of things as well. Oh yeah, they have a great program up there, especially the professors. It's cha- the faces have changed a little bit since I was there. I was a 2017 graduate from uh, the OSU program up there, but um, yeah, no, the, it was a really tight knit program because the Ag. That I, I can't remember how many kids there were in there, but, you know, our classes were 20 kids or less, 20 so, students or less.
1: So the OSU program is through BMCC? So you're doing all your classes? Through Eastern.
2: Yeah. Oh, through Eastern. Got so it's it. Okay. a consor- consortium agreement in Badgley Hall up at Eastern in Le Grand. But okay. it's an OSU degree on EOU discount. So nice. you're actually getting an Oregon State degree on an EOU rate. There and the, they have a consortium that OSU and EOU... Um, you if you take classes with eou they still account for osu like 100 percent. you know mm-hmm. um they just they cross translate for your degree and uh it's funny i actually kind of have a little story on that so i was just just done with blue mountain so i was moving on looking for a place to go and uh i didn't want to go down to corvallis because my wife courtney um she was stay-at-home mom here in Pendleton with our son um, that was only a couple of years old at that time. And uh, so I, we stayed um, here in town, but I drove every day to the grand. And so I was taking OSU classes up there, but um, I had to take, I didn't have some of my core classes like chemistry and mm-hmm. biology, specifically those two. Um, yeah. I was talking to the, an advisor up there and they're like, well, you can take it up here and it's in an auditorium of 130 students, or I can go back to blue mountain where there's nine kids. Mm-hmm. I thought, heck yeah, I stink at chemistry and biology. I'm going that route. You know, I'm <laughs> going to where I like the teacher can see my face. Like you know, because there, there's only nine of us in there, she can count all of them, all the kids on one hand yeah. or two hands. So, um, so I did that, and um, it was great. But because I was a student at Blue Mountain, I had to take classes at EOU and OSU all at the same time. There was a consortium between OSU and EOU, and a consortium between Blue Mountain and EOU. Mm. So I was, I was not a full-time student. So I kind of got hammered on tuition or, I mean, uh, uh, scholarships and grants that I'd actually written for because I was not a full-time student at any one of those schools. I was just below the level. Oh, wow. So I kind of, you know, brought that up with, uh, EOU and I said, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't right. Cause you guys have like a two-way agreement this way and that way, but it's not like a three-way agreement. Right. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. So I lost out on scholarship and tuition money um, because, you know, at that point there was nothing they could do. Because I wasn't a full-time student. It was just like, you should have known, you know? <laughs> and when I graduated, they had a three-way consortium. They finally figured it oh, out. And they are like, hey, man. thanks for being the guinea pig. I'm like, great, that cost me a lot of money. <laughs> but glad you guys figured it out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so now it's great. So now it's kind of like a pipeline. They can pipeline kids from Blue Mountain straight up to EOU and OSU, and it all, it all works out for them, so. Oh, yeah. Well, you helped a lot of other kids out. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they don't know the name or the face, but somebody out there, you know, Somebody had to go through the hardship so they can <laughs> get it easy. <laughs> there needs to be a scholarship in your name just for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Brett Carter Consortium yeah. Scholarship. Kind of kinda salty scholarship award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who do you award it to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. <laughs>
0: uh, no, you, you hit on the things I like about college at Blue Mountain and Eastern, which is that you know the price point is is uh not outrageous like some other institutions but also classroom sizes if you if you're the type of person that wants a reasonable classroom size and you want to be able to catch your instructor or professor during their office hours and that kind of stuff
2: and they don't have tas i mean the instructors know your know you know you by your name totally typically. Mm-hmm. you know especially at blue mountain
0: yeah
1: yeah when i was at the university of oregon i mean i would have classes double the size you talked about i mean i'd, I'd have classes with 300 plus students and um and there's two TAs and during teacher, off- teacher assistants yeah, teacher yeah. assistants. And um, during office hours, like you meet with the teacher's assistant. You don't even meet with the actual professor. Um, I would say Eastern was different than that. Most of the time, you could get um, actual time with the professor. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Blue Mountain would be even better. A mm-hmm. Class of nine kids, you're definitely getting that face time. <laughs> so, so
2: my first. My first term going, uh, living in town, going to OSU and Eastern over in La Grande, and then coming back for, uh, classes in Pilton, I would go over at 8 a.m. to La Grande. I'd come back for a noon class here and I had a two o'clock class up there. No Jeez. way. So my noon class was an hour 40 long. Um, Sasha McKeon, I'll do a little name drop. She was my biology teacher. Super awesome lady. Um, so I would have to split out early from our lectures that's yeah. what I was gonna say. How did that work? Because it there's, didn't. Yeah, well, it like, did. <laughs> it did because Sasha was willing to work with me. Okay. But it was also one of those deals where they also didn't quite have enough kids in the class. So if one dropped, Sasha was at BMCC or Eastern. Sasha is at Blue Mountain. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Yeah, and so she was so cool. So I'd go up, or uh, so I would. I would stay the hour that I could for her lecture, leave an hour early so I could get up to my OSU lecture. And on Fridays, I had a class that doubled up with, or I think our labs were Thursdays afternoon. And she was like, hey, it's fine. Just show up Fridays at noon if that works for you and I'll be your lab partner. So I literally, I had the teacher helping me through the lab, the whole, like a two hour lab, just basically like. Showing me the ropes of like, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, this is, so this what we're looking at the microscope here is directly related to question three. So write this down. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs> I'm like this is great. Nice. And I got a little one-on-one time with her. She's actually from Hawaii, Kauai. And yeah, nice. uh, it was kind of interesting to pick up on some of her perspective of growing up on an island, being landlocked, you know, mm-hmm. and all, that, all the challenges that they have over there that are different. And I was wondering, far how do you as, go from... As- as far as growing? Uh, being landlocked.
1: Or just being landlocked in yeah, general. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I guess that can kind of be kind of a depressing thing. You know, you drive 20 minutes and then you're back at the ocean. <laughs> you know, <laughs> from being at the ocean. So uh, so just, or then like clothes shopping. Like they'd have to go to the airport, fly to Oahu to go clothes shopping for school shopping for mm. the kids and then fly back. So it was like a whole day deal to basically fly like, you know, however far apart the islands are. Hmm. And, and you know, just kind of those extra hassles that you don't think about when it's not, like, in your Yeah, life. we picture Hawaii
0: as the life of luxury and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess for a week-long visit is different than living there. And I remember just, you know, cost of living, I'm sure, is much more expensive because of all the amenities that have to be
2: brought in, I'm sh- right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the other thing, too, is I was, I was like, how do you go from Kauai To Pendleton, Oregon. That's a great (laughs) great question. I'm like, why not like L.A. or something that's a little bit more relative to like what you grew up? But it was just a job thing. You know, husband got a job here. She got a job here and just worked out. And they actually live a block away from where we grew up on Perkins. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of cool things. I mean, we've got a lot of time to share together and it was yeah super cool i mean super cool she's really good at her job and everything and so it's just great to kind of get to know like your instructor right like one-on-one time and yeah they actually care about you you know they actually care that you make the grade right because it counts you know it counts Mm -hmm. for them up there so totally anyways yeah true
0: so obviously it feels like you're pretty well established in pendleton as we sit today was there ever conversations about you and your wife being somewhere else,
2: or was it always just that like this is this is our roots, this is home? So, yes, um, I, I grew up here. My wife's family she's uh, she's a Rosenberg, so the, you know, there's about five generations here. So, I mean, she's related to half the people that she goes <laughs> to the store to grocery shop with at one time, right? <laughs> and uh, so, yes, yeah, so we're we're well grounded here, but. Um, if we weren't here, we would probably be in, like, Montana or the Panhandle of Idaho. so beautiful. Mm. A lot of – and Pendleton's a great community to raise your kids. And, and um, the the neighborhood that we're in is, you know, a great neighborhood for our kids to grow up in. So there's a lot keeping us here and, you know, a lot of our support systems here, family and friends. But um, a lot of it, too, is also a support system for our son. Uh you know, if we, if we moved outside of our boundaries and boundaries, i mean meaning like people that we know, you know, our, uh, support system, right. You know, you wouldn't have, I mean, it would take you time to build up trust with people that you could trust that like, if you needed help, they could come over and help you. Or like, if we had both had a job, like, Hey, can you watch our son for two hours? That is, uh, you know, it does It's something that you know a lot of people go through, like when they move. You know, um, it's it's not uncommon. But one of the uncommon things that like is kind of a challenge for us is when we ask people or people ask, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you want, why don't you guys go out on a date night and and we'll watch your kids? We have three kids. Um, and it's like that's great. And but we don't like the part that they don't understand is is it is possible that Brandon, our son, um could be life lighted, and if we're, you know, over in Hermiston having dinner, Walla Walla having dinner, it's like, are you comfortable with calling 911 if he's having a seizure that his rescue med is not stopping? Are you comfortable with calling 911 and having them, you know, um, EMTs, paramedics show up, asking you all these questions, and you might be getting on a helicopter going to Portland if we can't make it there in time, or Spokane, you know. Um, That's something that, you know... It's a, it's, they're definitely trying to show the graciousness of their heart and they're trying to show us, you know, um, you know, it's a, it's a positive gesture that they're trying to show. And it's hard, it's hard to, I I hate to say it and maybe this isn't the right word, but kind of deny them what, like that positive gesture that they're trying to show you because you're kind of trying to save them a little bit from like, Hey, you know, you know, as that flows out of the mouth, that's, that's easy to say, but then whenever, like, what that really entails like we don't want to put you in that you know it's
1: a big responsibility
2: that and it could also be a little bit traumatic for somebody you know like seeing a kid seizing and brandon has some severe seizures that uh you know that might kind of mark them a little bit and we don't want to be the people that put that on them you know and so sometimes you're kind of looking out for other people in that way like it kind of feels bad and you know um, and maybe in some ways people are like, well, you know, they just never accept help, and it's like, well, there might be a reason behind it, you know. Mm. Um, and it's definitely out of love. Like we're not trying to, you know, be hermit crabs and just close our life down, you know. It just sometimes, sometimes it's just it's just, you know, you don't want to you don't want to put somebody else in a tough situation that they may not be prepared for, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, I could see both sides of that. Where you know, it's definitely a big ask, and not the, you know, fifteen-year-old babysitter that you're going to give five, ten bucks an hour. You maybe not feel comfortable with with that level of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, Order pizza. Order pizza. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, here's twenty bucks for pizza, and we'll yeah. see you in a couple hours or whatever. It's, it is quite an ask. And then you know, you do want to be that person that can accept help when when given, but also the. The trust and the extent of, of what is being asked. Like you said, it's it's a hard uh, perspective maybe for folks to know what they're committing to. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing your perspective and being honest about that. That's kind of a uh, an interesting dynamic with your family. So are you able to share a little bit more about, you know, your son and I guess your kids in general, but but Brandon and
2: what might be the issue for these medical potential possibilities? or You want me to kind of start from like the beginning of like how our life Courtney and I's life kind of came together, and then whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, buddy, because yeah. uh, we've I, got time.
1: I, I think that'd be great. Yeah, just kind of walking people through kind of
2: your story. Okay, I will make a little note that talking about Brandon sometimes gets me a little, little uh, watery in the eyes. So <laughs> there might be some cuts here and there that we might have to do later. But okay. um, fair enough. I, d- I normally don't talk about it too much because it does get me a little bit worked up. But um, so. You know, Courtney and I, we've known each other since sixth grade. When, you know, Sunridge Middle School. That's where you get to meet all the other kids from all the elementary schools that you had no idea existed, right? Go Bronx. <laughs> go Bronx. And uh, so, you know, we knew each other since then. And then we started kind of finding interest in each other in uh, the summer before our senior year. Um, and more so as friends, uh, just hanging out. I think I texted her to go to the wreath reef, reef cliffs to go swimming mm. or whatever, you know. And... Uh, so she she agreed to it, and we started hanging out after that, you know, and for about six to eight months, I mean, like, her, uh, we were really close friends, but, like, never saw each other as, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, like, prospect at all. Like, that's my friend, you know, like, why would I, like, there's no way that there's nothing there, you know, do or you there's know, no way there is something there. Do you know that she felt the same way? She felt absolutely the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a coming out of the friend zone
0: origin story? Yeah. Is that what we've got going on?
2: I don't think there was... I think friend zone, especially for a guy, at least the way my mind perceives it is, like friend zone is like you're friends with the girl, but you kind of want to date her.
1: Sure. Ours yeah. Was, well, yeah, that's true.
2: Ours was we were friends with no intentions to date. And it took it took my my friends... At a, it was actually her se- one of her senior Lady Buck basketball games... Going, dude, you like her. Like, just ask her out. I'm like, oh, that's overstepping bounds. Like, you're crazy. Like, just just shut it down, bud. You know, like, (laughs) just settle down. And uh, he's like, dude, we're serious. You like her. Like, just everybody can see it but you. Like, just ask her out. And then my perspective kind of started to change. I'm like, maybe... Maybe they're right Like maybe there is something there So within a couple of weeks we were dating Hey who knew they actually saw something right <laughs> <laughs> So December of 2011 we started dating And uh, we got married in uh, August of 2013 And later on that year we had our son Brandon And uh, so Brandon was born in November of 2013 And uh, as... Um, as we knew it, before he was born, he was a totally typical kid, uh, or baby, you know, um, still developing, of course. Nothing, no red flags, no nothing. Um, and then when he was born, it was about the day after, um, Doctor, uh, the doctor came in after delivery, uh, the pediatric doc- doctor, came in the next day and started noticing some differences, some physical abnormalities, she called it. And uh, some of the things she noticed was his ears were lower set on his head. So typically, if you look at somebody, the tops of their ears are in line with their eyes. So as I look at Shannon and Ryan, I see both of you guys are that way. His aren't. They're actually a little bit lower set. Mm. There were some other abnormalities, too. He had a high palate and uh, his eyes. His eyes were different. And she never really got a good look at his eyes but um, at that point. But she knew something was different. He's actually got coloboma, which is the he's got misshapen uh, pupils. And so his pupil on the right is actually almost a pupil and a half. It looks like a keyhole. So it's a full pupil with like another half below it. And um, his pupil or his eye on his left eye is a smaller pupil. It's a little bit more oval shaped and it's lower set. There almost, there is no iris on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so she started noticing stuff like that and started to say, uh, I think we need to run some tests because there's something going on here. Plus, he was a little bit slow developmentally. He wasn't latching and nursing mm-hmm. like he should have, and they were struggling. They even brought in a lactation nurse, and they were struggling. So they just there were some markers that they were seeing. And, of course, us new parents at 19, um, we had no idea. You know, this was normal to us at this point because we didn't know normal. And so that developed into years of figuring out what is this? What, what does he have? Um, so he's he's got some other stuff going on, as we know now. Uh, he was born with five different brain malformations, to keep it short and simple, because I can't name them all. And it's, they're all tongue twisters, so I get them all wrong on the radio anyways. <laughs> but he's missing part of his brain. He's got agenesis of the corpus callosum. So that's the middle part of your brain is totally gone. So you got your left and right hemispheres. Right. They're connected through your corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. so his brain doesn't have a corpus callosum so his connections all route through the back of the brain as far as we understand and he's got uh, misshapen parts of his brain and he's got parts of his brain that are underdeveloped as well too so um like spinal fluid sacs stuff like that they're underdeveloped don't look right you know and we've you know we're young parents finding this all out um and uh He's he's got some other stuff, too, but he doesn't actually have a syndrome. So what we found out through years of research, and and that's kind of the frustrating part of his parents, is you go years wondering, how did this happen? Like, what did we do? Like, Courtney was actually playing volleyball. My wife was playing um, volleyball for the, the BMCC Timberwolves and she thought maybe you know during their summer league camps and stuff when she was early in pregnancy maybe did she hit the floor and you know kind of rattle him in there and and you know but what we found out through um genetic testing we were actually um i guess i'm kind of skipping around a little bit but we we were seeing doctor after doctor after doctor and so we finally got hooked up with a doctor up in seattle that was a geneticist and a neurologist and Mm. uh if you know anything about those two studies, they are not easy. They're super complicated. <laughs> One of
0: those on its own sounds pretty
2: intimidating, totally. Yeah. yeah, and let alone he's an expert, a world-leading expert in both realms. And so we got hooked up with him, and he's a, he was in research, and he said, hey, we, we will do full exome testing. We will take your DNA, your wife's DNA, and your son's DNA, and we will look through every s- strand of DNA and see where this is coming from, if you guys are carriers or not and was this spontaneous genetic mutation which we found out it was um and so it we you know we sent off our dna they did their testing and and found that it was i can't remember the gene but they found the gene was mutated it was uh you know basically a protein was supposed to turn on when it was supposed or turn off when it was supposed to turn on and basically from that stemmed everything so our son can't walk he can't talk and he's 10 years old, he's been in therapies all of his life, um, you know, his vision's not very good, so he's got, you know, ocular therapies too, um, so, and then we see all these doctors, so, you know, we go to OHSU, we go to Legacy, we go to, um, OHSU meaning Um, St. Vincent's in Portland, um, and we got some specialists here in town and whatnot, so, you know, we're always, it seems like once or twice a month, we're always going down to Portland for a, a doctor's appointment, and um, through all this, you know, what we found out is he is, of, of all the nations that share their medical records or health records, he's one of two kids in the world with this exact gene mutated. And the other kid is from Netherlands, and he's less severely affected than Brandon. He can walk and talk. And so...
1: Uh, so he's literally the only kid in the world that has this mutation and can't walk or talk this
2: exact mutation yeah so th- this other kid in the netherlands has the same gene mutated but in a different way yeah and so um so that doesn't leave much for us to know right this is a new thing it's not a syndrome it's not a well studied thing and it may not be anyways because if it's you know just a really a one off You know, it's really up to a research doctor or whatever if they want to continue studying it or not, if they find interest in it, which leaves a lot of what ifs and and whys. And uh, that's one thing that I've always wondered about Brandon is like, why? You know, why was this gene mutated? You know, what went wrong or or was this, you know, just God's doing, you know? Um, But I also sit there and wonder with all of his challenges. What's his purpose, you know? I feel like everybody's got purpose in this life and for a kid that can't walk and talk, but yet he's so happy and, and just, you know, high spirited all the time, you know, and, uh, he's, he's had a lot of adversity and challenges for a kid that's 10 years old. You know, he's, he's got, um, he's, he's got purpose and, and it's always been a question that I've wondered is what, what, how How is Brandon supposed to be represented, you know, like, how is it his story? Is it just his personality? Like, I feel like I, myself, at 29 years old, I have learned so much from this kid that's 10 years old about, like, just life and humility. And looking at other people, you know, like, wondering, you know, what challenges have other people faced, you know? Um, what led them to where they are now? Like, what atmosphere, what environment were they in? that uh has led them to where they are to today you know um and everybody comes from different walks of life but it's really kind of made me stop and pause like even just in everyday life you know just to start wondering about like i wonder what their story is you know that person or this person that you see around town you know whether they're carrying a bag of cans or or whatever you know um or or you know driving a really nice vehicle or whatever it is it doesn't matter you know, it makes you just kind of wonder, like, what f- challenges have they faced in their life? Because behind the scenes, maybe they're dealing with quite a bit, too, you know, like whether it's family issues or or just um, or maybe they never had family, you know, um, just stuff like that. That's, uh, you know, he looking at Brandon and and just knowing his story and what we've been through, um, we've, we've been lifelighted multiple times. Um, we've had multiple hospital stays for over a week long, and you know uh, it that, that that's pretty challenging, you know, for a family and a couple, especially in November of 2019. Brandon, we we were flying back from seeing Courtney's great grandpa, so we got a five generational picture. He was down in Florida, and so it was something we had to do, you know, because that's not very common to see five generations. And so we flew down there. And we were we were in our, um, on our way back. We stayed a week. And we were on our way back. We were in the Orlando airport, and I just heard a guy hacking up a lung. I thought, oh great, we're gonna, he's going to get sick on the plane because he's got a suppressed immune system, so it's much easier for him to catch a bug than you or I. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were we were on our way back, and and we flew into the Boise airport, and I could tell he just looked miserable, and I thought, man, he's sick, and. <coughs> So we uh, decided to drive home the next morning. He just looked—I mean, just horrible. Just did not look good. And we got home and we thought, well, let's just go to bed. Let's sleep on it. We'll we'll get better. I think it wasn't even midnight, and we got life lighted up to Cadillac. And uh, he was so sick. He uh, didn't. We didn't see his eyes for five days. Just sleeping and just sleeping. Just out like a rock in <clears throat> his. You know, he had an infection in his lungs which what we know now from COVID is it was attacking people's lungs, their inner lining of their lungs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what COVID really was at that time because it was just breaking out of parts of asia into europe that's what i'm wondering you said the timeline was what november of
0: 19 yeah and so there's there's i've heard a variety of people hold the opinion that maybe it was passed
2: around before we really knew and i think it was already here at that time because i'd never seen him because he's had pneumonia bad cases of pneumonia and bronchitis before and this was something else i mean it was attacking him somewhat like pneumonia and bronchitis like some of the symptoms were the same but but like his uh he was just getting sicker in his lungs and the infection was spreading and so yeah that was that was one of the toughest times of my life cuz i was still trying to work but then you know you got this super sick kid and um and courtney was up at the hospital taking care of him every day and we we hadn't seen we, we hadn't seen him wake up or stir at all in 5 days and basically the doctors were saying we've given him all the antibiotics we can it's basically brandon now like he's either going to come out of it or he won't. An infection will spread, and he could potentially die. And there's nothing more we can do. It's just monitoring at this point. And you just sit there, and when the doctor hands that information off to you, great. Now what? You know, yeah. you turn and look at each other as a couple, and just go, "Well, darn." <laughs> it's in God's hands. Yeah, it's in God's hands. And it's like, well, I was like, I was hoping for a better answer, but um, that was a long tangent for a, a question of. Um, of where our life is um, gone, um, as a couple or whatever, but that, that was Brandon's story. Like, um, and it's still Brandon's story. Um, like the, fr- the first parts of his life were really rough. Like, I mean, I was, I was in the private industry farming, working, um, anywhere between 60 and 120 hour weeks, depending on if it was harvest or just like a typical week. Courtney was at home trying to finish school. Um, we had a lot of questions about Brandon. We didn't have a lot of answers, and it's you know you go to these doctors that are super smart. They're you know way smarter than I I could be in in certain studies, right? And you go to there with a question. They say, "Well, that's a question we have for you because you know Brandon more than us." And it's like, "Well, shoot, you know, <laughs> like that was less than what we were hoping for." But so it was a lot of that kind of you know um, early in our marriage, and and you know we just tried to keep you know. Like a lot of our success in our marriage, like what's kind of helped us like keep moving forward together and like especially in what healthy ways we can is, you know, we try and keep God first, you know, like try and try and see our situation through God's lens. Like, why are we here? Like, what are we supposed to learn in the season of life? Um, Like we're here for a reason. And and there's there's always a lesson to be learned out of it, whether it's good, bad or just toughens you up in a season of life um, I think it's always, there's always an applicable lesson, right? And so that was a lot of our early part of our marriage was, is just kind of battling and court calls it, um, survival mode. We were in survival mode for so many years and it kind of felt, you know, things have settled down a little bit. You know, we've kind of gotten some neurological meds figured out, you know, we've tried some keto diets, We've, we've tried different things, you know, and for so long we were struggling because, you know, um, we we just hadn't tried, you know, like, we, it, everything was so new, you know, and it was like, we'll try it and see if it works, you know, and, and it would be trying and it wouldn't work or whatever, and it just kind of like, it just, you know, we weren't getting as much success at that time as we were hoping for, right? And uh, so there was a lot of little battles like that, and...
1: Just uh, um, trial and error, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, and, and yeah. so
2: we've tried things, and, and we've had lot more success in more recent years that you know we've kind of gotten things kind of dialed in a little bit better so you know i, I would say we're not quite in survival mode like w- what we once were so guess what we had more kids <laughs> <laughs> well, we had another boy and another girl yeah, <laughs> and we just needed yeah, more just, to do yeah yeah i'm <laughs> like that later on this year we'll have a 10 year old boy a three-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl i'm like man that's that's a pretty big spread. It's like somebody <laughs> forgot to keep track for a little while. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah so it's, it's Courtney, my wife, and um, Brandon, our oldest, he's 10, Shepherd's 3, and Kay Marie, is. Uh, we just had her in October. So yeah. she'll be one in
0: October. There's so, so many different ways I feel like we could take this, but I just, yeah.
2: Uh, sorry, I kind of just no, threw no, it it's, as, it's wonderful. That was um, like, that was, that basically went from marriage to that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, just kind of went deep diving in it, but that's the story, you know? I mean, yeah. that is how it went.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fast and loose for sure. And in such a young age, but um, I'll just start here, I guess. So um, you sort of mentioned throughout your story that you found out several years after Brandon was born that, This was basically a one in billions situation that you felt comfortable enough having more children, um, (laughs) but also that uh, I guess different people could look at that so many different ways to say, wow, this is just like that, that one that the doctors are asking questions about because it's so rare and uncommon. They just don't know, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and that was a lot
2: of what the medical teams were talking to us about was, you know, would you want to know if you guys are carriers in case you guys are looking at having more kids? And it's like, well, we were kind of thinking more kids anyways, but, you know, like, you know, if you look up the odds of what Brandon has, um, all these combinations of everything, plus the, you know, (coughs) genetic mutation that basically everything stemmed from, it's like one in a, like, Tens of trillions. Wow. So I was like, "Boy, he drew a lucky card." <laughs> but you know what? He he's a happy kid. You know, and and you know some. You know, we've kind of been told a little bit through time. You know, like, well, um, you know, that's too bad for him. And it's like, you know, in in a way, yes, we deem it as he's not normal. But also in another way, I'm like, you know, he's got a unique set of challenges. But he's also got a unique personality and character that he deals with it so well. And he's a tough kid. I call him... I kill... So you go to these hospitals like Dornbecker's, and you see kids like with his... Like like with similar type stories or, or different stories but a lot of challenges, you know, that, you know, most normal air quotations people don't normally go through. And uh, I call them hospital warriors because those kids are so tough. And, you know, they... Every day looks different for them, you know? Um... Especially like, you know, we, one thing that's been really hard for me as an individual is learning to live at a different speed. I can't, we can't go the same speed as a, like a run and gun family. You know, that's always everywhere doing all the activities in town, you know, signed up for everything. It, it's, it would, it would burn us out, you know? And that's one thing that we try to, um, be very mindful of is our capacity. You know, are we at capacity and if we start nearing that capacity, it's like okay, we got to start like we we got to start getting back to the family. You know, we're getting a little bit much on our plate, and <clears throat> and it can kind of be dangerous to get in in that zone for too long. And so you know, learning to slow down a little bit because I'm I'm very much like go 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 get it done, especially like in in my professional work. Um, but learning to go a different speed, like you know, he, he's in a wheelchair and it takes us longer to load the kids up, load him up and, you know, just to go down to the store, unload them, go through the store, wheel them around, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, some places aren't accessible for them. So you just, you know, um, maybe you don't go, maybe, you know, court will take the other two, the other two kids and they go do that. And, you know, we hang back with Brandon and, and, uh, but you just, it's learning a different speed and being okay with it, you know? And for so long, I wasn't, you know, I would, I would, of what I would call, I was entering into a dangerous territory, comparisons. Hmm. I would compare our situation to, or our <clears throat> family situation to other people, um, situations, you know, um, and say, oh, I wish I wish we could do that, or wish we had more of this going on in our life. And, but that's, that's not, that's not us. That's, that's not where we are, you know? And, uh, so that's one thing I've had to learn through time is to be okay with, you know, we are, our family is at where we're at, and that's okay, that's where we're supposed to be, you know, I, I try and look, look at things, like, like I said, um, kind of through, like, the lens of God, like, if, if, if we are right where God meant us to be, we are exactly where we're supposed to be, and, you know, I, I really feel like a lot of our story is, um, is, how do I say this, um, He, 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 especially like through prayer, he, he helps, especially my heart heal. Like, yeah, we may not be able to do some of the the other things that people can do, but because that was starting to become like poison for me. And that's, that's, that's a pretty dangerous place to be at for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's that. That's, that's (laughs) another tangent. But that, that's stuff that I, I mean, that's stuff that I've been going through in my life and, and maybe other people can find some value in it, but I found a lot of value in it because it's stuff that I needed to learn, you know? Um, and, you know, my professional goals are a lot different two mo- two years ago than what they are today. And they're much more healthier now, especially for where we're at, you know, and, um, learning, learning to be, you know, look, look for opportunity that our family can participate in or that, um, that uh, there's that, a little bit more our speed, you know, and um, that's that's much better perspective for me. Like, is t- to not have unhealthy r- expectations, you know. That that
1: um, have grace for yourselves. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, be willing to go at a slower pace. Yeah, give yourself grace,
2: and- you know, um, and don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. I've always been a person that's always been really hard on myself. I've always pushed myself, or or. On the flip side of the coin I've told myself I'm not good enough in high school I was really bad at that I remember not even joining a basketball team it was the day of the tryouts and I think it was GWIT that came up to me and said hey you trying out for the basketball team I said and in that moment I sat there and thought I'm not good enough I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be going to this tryout and I talked myself out of it like literally right out of, like walking into Warburg talked myself out of it you turned around and left I left I drove home and my parents asked Why, did you go to the tryouts I said no they said, why don't you go to trials? You know, we even sent you to summer camp, you know, with the team. And I i didn't have an answer. I just thought, you know, I, I, I psyched myself out. And I psyched myself out so bad that, you know, I, I walked away. And I've always regretted that just because I didn't have the self-confidence to at least try in that moment, you know. Mm. And so that's where I sit there and go, like, you know, um, like looking at those things that you like, especially back in high school and things like mentalities or habits that you had. And, and and you know what, you got time, you got time to correct them, you know, get perspective on them and improve on them. You know, even, even if, uh, even if, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to work at one day at a time. Um, a little bit of progress is still progress. You know, the most important step in action is action, you know, Mm -hmm is to take that first step and that was one thing that i would always struggle with is taking that first step and don't letting that little seed of development or growth wither away and die because you just didn't didn't have enough grace for yourself to at least try Mm -hmm. you know that was something that i struggled with for so long and 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 in the last couple years that's something that i've been kind of looking like like personal development in those ways you know like Why am I not good enough? Why do I tell myself I'm not good enough? You know, like, (laughs) you haven't even tried yet, you know? And, uh, anyway, stuff like that to just, um... You were talking about, um, like, you guys
1: had kind of already planned on having more children after Brandon, um, but speaking of self-doubt, was there any type of doubt that you didn't want to, or what was the, any hesitation? What were those conversations like between you and Court?
2: With, with more kids? Yeah. Um...
1: Or was it just like no doubt you know we, well, we, we know we, we want out, to do this
2: w- yeah w- w- we, we found out that we weren't carriers of this genetic mutation, like it didn't come from me and it didn't come from her, and we were g- we were planning on having kids anyways, uh, more kids because we were like, well, what's the chances? you know <laughs> <laughs> lightning doesn't strike twice, <laughs> you know, kind of a deal, but uh we were already planning on having more kids like we we still don't have a certain like number of kids that we're looking like uh, aiming for, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to have. Oh, so you're not done at three? No, Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like that's. I mean, she, she asked me like, "What do you think about more?" I'm like, we got a nine month old at home." I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, let's wait on that conversation. Yeah, I'm like, let's let's just let's just give it a little bit more time. Let's let it simmer a little bit here. So, um, so the conversation, I guess, is just like. I guess you know a lot of it for me too. Is is you know as the dad, the the job's kind of easy. You know you're in a support role for a while, especially while while the the baby's in the womb, right? Like you're you're helping out and you're trying to keep your wife sane, also kind of keeping yourself sane. But you know some pregnancies, oof, like you know we were talking the other day, Shannon, that uh, you know some morning sickness, some gals go through rough morning sickness or or um you know just just conditions like that that just don't look like fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like hey, you know, when if you, if you want more that's that's you know, you're you got the tougher job in that part of the season and uh so, you know, it, it's kind of up to you. Like and some women love pregnancy. Yeah. They love going through it. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> it's a so spectrum. I guess I guess once once uh once the baby's there then it's kind of your your job to support. So I'm not saying the dads aren't needed, but you know uh definitely definitely like some pregnancies are a little bit rougher than the others so that's where i kind of have um that's where i step back and kind of say well it's up to you like i mean if you want to go through it again you know i'm I'm here to i'm here to support you through it but you know i'm not going to be the one that says one more when that last one might have been rough you know or whatever yeah so especially like delivery and stuff you know yeah Um, totally if if it was up to to men to keep humanity going we'd be extinct a long time ago so that's why I said there go like we'd all be dead we'd just kill each other <laughs> yeah we know we just wait around until the last one went and then you know that would be it you know
0: <laughs> i want to go back to you being able to um have that perspective and be of the mind of just um patience and not playing the comparison game and how you feel like that's really changed for you in the last couple of years what do you think are some of the things that have helped you change your perspective? Do you think it's been the lifestyle of you and your family? Has it been your faith or has it just been like age and getting a little bit older?
2: Um, I'll be honest with you. So I worked private industry farming um, for six or seven years out of college. I put in a lot of time and effort. I was, I was pretty successful at what I was doing, um, but my priorities weren't right. And having going towards three kids, um, especially with Brandon's um, situation as we already talked about, I knew I couldn't keep we couldn't keep having kids and expecting Court to pick up the next, you know, the, the extra slack. And so I knew that there was an ultimatum coming where I, I, we either found a job that allowed me a little bit more freedom with family time, or we, you know, just basically waited till a crossroads hit and then we had to make a tough choice when I might have not been ready so I've been and a lot of it too uh is I I was starting to get burnt out you know I I, my last year of private industry farming I I did really well I had a really successful season in a really challenging season um we had a lot of lot of heat and um you know I I remember watching corn literally turn gray on a in 120 degrees and 123 degrees in Hermiston and i was watching it turn green the next day it was yellow it was i mean it scorched it. it's um leaf scald is what it's called and so i realized i mean where i wanted to go was i wanted to be a successful crop production grower that was willing to share information and knowledge that you know kind of had a household name in the area c- because i was doing well you know i'd done well but was willing to share with others but then i started realizing You know, that um, that was going to be at the cost and the sacrifice of the betterment of my family. I was not going to be around. I was starting to talk to older guys, you know, who had been successful, owned their own farm, had 30 to 40 employees, multiple tractors. But they were, you know, it cost them two or three marriages in the relationship of their kids, you know. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing, is this what I want? Is this in 30 years? Can I look back and say, this is what I wanted? And I was starting to second guess myself um, on what I really wanted. And so I started looking into what do I want, you know? And that's when I started realizing that I I just wanted to be there for my family. I wanted to be an integral part of raising my kids. I wanted them to know me. And I wanted to have an opportunity to invest into them what I never had or wish that I had growing up. So... One, one thing that I, that we've, we talk about a lot in our household is if you didn't have it, make it for your kids. So we, we have, um, some issues in our family that we're trying to combat. So we have like alcoholism, mental depression, um, show them the right way, you know, show them that there's positive outlets, um, that there's, you know, always something positive that you can be doing or learning or personal development, you know, but also intentionally investing into them, you know. Um, like I said, whether, if it was something that I wish I had as a, as a kid, um, give it to them, you know, Uh, give them those experiences, you know, like being outdoors, (coughs) camping, you know, um, like I said before, kind of stepping back and having perception on other, you know, other people trying to understand other people, you know, and, 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 you know, trying to understand that, that, you know, they might not have always had, or other people, you know, they, they come from different backgrounds. So, you know, just always have grace for people, you know, show them grace first and, um, just, just stuff like that, you know, um. I realized that that was more important to me than my professional goals. My, the, the goals that I had for my family started to make a lot more sense than realizing that I was going to miss out on so much. And I'd probably be looking back in 30 years and thinking, I, I wasted a lot of time because there's always time to work, but you always want more time with your family, right? So um, you hear people that retire and never, you know, most of the time they say that they're happy that they have more time, right? That they don't really want to go back to work. So, that's why I sat there and thought, like, there's always, there's always time until there's not. And then normally that's when people wake up and realize that a lot of years have gone by. And I didn't want that to happen for me. I didn't want to regret it. A lot of guys I was talking to just, they regretted it, you know, and they deeply regretted it. One of them, you know, it cost them the entire relationship of their son. So, um, I didn't want that to be me. And so, I I, kind of like i started allowing god to be more first in my life because i burned myself out twice with two two different agricultural jobs so i started to realize this is maybe not what i want i thought it was i truly thought it was wholeheartedly and uh so i started praying you know like lord if i burn myself out twice and your plan's perfect then show me what it is and and you were doing well too i was doing well but i was still burned out yeah yeah well by whose measurement right yeah and so through through prayer and time and i think like some conditioning of my heart and mind you know transforming the way i was thinking perspective um an opportunity came up and i took a job with uh, usda ars the agricultural research research experiment station just outside of town here in adams as their farm manager and uh it's 40 hour weeks still driving tractors and combine and and field production type um activities and and it's been great uh it's been really good for me um it's it's better work-life balance i started my priorities so this was i took the job with them last year but it was about two years ago in august so almost exactly two years ago i really started my mindset started changing my pr- my top three priorities then are not even close to being my top three priorities now. And a lot of it was somewhat money-driven and success-driven of was my priorities then. Now, it's not even close to being in the top three. Um, yes, money is important and is a means to keep the lights on in the house, but I would, you know, I took a 40% pay cut because it gave me time with this job. And I can tell you that there is no amount of money that would be worth it to take another job that would take my time like it did before and give up family time and the, the opportunity to intentionally invest in my family. So I can tell you, it's been a lot more freeing and relieving to just kind of sit back and, you know, and, and time has slowed down when, mm. when I was farming going all the time, working all like every day of the week through parts of the season you know, still working 55-hour weeks in the winters. It just seemed like it never slowed down. Um, it seemed like time would just go by in an instant. And now it seems like it goes by so slow, and I, it, I'm able to cherish the moment better. Um, I was always looking to the next thing, you know. Life was so rapid, so fast, and now it's slow. And and it's, it's easier to sit back and enjoy life. And so that's what, you know, just... Another, another like, re, um, reaffirming piece that I, I think I am right where I'm supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the things that I should be enjoying, you know? And I was always hungry for the next thing, like, it'll be better. It'll be better, you know, if I work harder. Once this happens, then it's yeah. good. And yeah, and it was just next thing, next thing, next thing. And now it's not like that. Now it's just taking in the moment, you know? And that's been so much more freeing and healthy for me. And I think um, I think that uh, a lot of people get caught in that trap, and that's a, again, that's a dangerous place to be because you get caught in that too long and life passes you by. And a lot of people wake up later in life and just say, "I wish I wish I could do it over again." And I thought, I don't want to say that in my 70s that I wish I could flip the sands of Times over again because you can't. And that's, that's a life of regret, you know. And that would be hard for me to swallow. And so I started waking up to these things like, I'm in my 20s. I got, a l- hopefully, a lot of time ahead of me. How do I want my the rest of my life to look? What do, what am, what am I about? Because that was one thing that w- as a young couple and a young family, we were, I mean, we were 19 trying to figure out who are we, let alone trying to figure out who is, what is our family, you know? What is our values, let alone trying to figure out, like I said, who are we as people like we're we're just we're right out of high school you know we just got booted out the door and and here we are trying to figure all these things all out at once Yeah. You then, know? You, then you got thrown into a tornado yeah <laughs> yeah and so uh you know we were trying to figure out those things on the fly and and uh and we're still trying to figure it out i mean we've been married it'll be 10 years here pretty soon and here in about three weeks and we're still figuring out like you know, who are we as a couple, and, 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 and what do we want our family to look like, and what is our values, and, and you know, what drives us, you know? Um, I can't really answer all those with detail, but, you know, in a general sense, like, I kind of have an idea, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I think it starts by even being willing to ask those questions
0: so that you can think about it, so.
1: Very true. Yeah. yeah. I watched a, a video on Instagram recently, and it, it was a guy talking about um, the the first 10 years of your kid's life, like really, really invest mm-hmm. in their lives during that time because after 10, you only have so much more time before they start <clears throat> having a lot of friends and then they're too cool for you. And, uh, and then they go off to college and they become an adult and they're no longer, like you don't have the opportunity to create that like very special bond. That like first 10 years is is so vital and uh it's not that you don't have uh, you know still a lot of time to create a great bond with you but like it just makes you think like
2: it sets the direction yeah it sets the tone you yeah. know so and, and and that's why i see so much importance now and i think that's a lot of what i like what kind of caught my attention is i'm like man this is so critical for our kids lives right now like i need to be there I can't be out there chasing the dollar because the other thing is too, and I see it a lot, you know, um, you know, especially as a male, like you're, you're, you're ingrained that you're supposed to support and provide and, um, you know, put, you know, put the dollars in the bank account, put the food on the table for the family. But then like so often you get so caught up in the rat race of making the extra dollar, you know, work the extra hour, make the extra money. And then, you know, just recently, you know, I've heard multiple different, like different, different people I've talked with, have you know, said like their, their, their partner is like, you know, you're never home, you know, like you're, you're always away and, you know, I'm here by myself and, and really it's like, man, just slow down. Like it, she's asking for your attention, not for your money. And that's what I think a lot of us miss, like as, as, as males is, you know, we think, we have to make that extra dollar, you know, like, this is this is the recipe to su- success, but I'm like, man, taking care of those relationships, whether it's your spouse, or whatever, and your kids, you know, take care of those first. And then everything else will sort itself out. I think you're right. I think it's easy for a variety of
0: reasons to think that the game is about, you know, winning the rat race. Yeah, getting, mm-hmm. the, getting the forever home, the super nice house, and keeping updated on the vehicles, and um, having the exclusive vacations to remote places of the world, but um, if we're being honest with ourselves, I think most of the most of our spouses and significant others, they do probably just want your time and your attention more than the the luxury.
2: Honestly, yeah. uh, being you can especially like if you're happy, it's it's funny how money doesn't seem to matter as much. Yeah, and, so true. And if you're not happy. It seems like no amount of money makes that, that, that rectifies that, you know, so, like, you're not happy
1: because you don't have money when, I'm mean when there's plenty of people that don't have a lot of money and they're still very happy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm not saying you can't have ha- money and be happy, but, uh, you know, you see it all the time. You see these millionaires that they just don't, you know, they don't seem like happy people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of mm-hmm. rough around the edges and, and they're kind of closed off and, and but they have a lot of money you'd think that the that would be you know the the missing piece you know like for happiness but yeah
0: and this isn't like a fair blanket statement to say about all wealthy people but yeah i feel like i've seen more willingness to you know volunteerism and donations and just general general ways of extending a hand i feel like i've seen more of that from people that don't have as much to give Am I wrong? Do you guys feel the same way? That's a good question. I don't. Uh, it's hard to say. And it's not I, to like I said. It's not to say that wealthy people are are generally just because they're wealthy, selfish and not generous with their time or money. But it just seems like a lot of the folks that I've seen um, in those different circumstances are are not people that necessarily have the most to give.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like you hear the, you know, the s- stories all the time about you know if a homeless person is given something, they like check with other homeless people and try and give to them Mm -hmm. as well what they've been giving. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's, it's hard to say because, you know, I think there's lots of people with, with a lot of money who are, who are great at consistently giving towards things as Mm -hmm. well. I think when you don't have a lot of money, it's um, a lot of people are gracious, but may, not be as consistent with their giving. So it's like, sure that's a good question. um, I just think like you see that a lot in the church. Yeah. Some people will give like one time, like very graciously and and they're quiet for a while. There's a lot of people who are like giving very consistently for a long time.
0: I just think there's something to be said about perspective and knowing what it's like to, to Mm -hmm. really face adversity, whether it's financial or just life circumstances. And it's easier to give and extend a hand when you know what that life is like. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, Brett, one thing that I've said to people about you and your family is that, you know, I don't know your wife as well as I know you. But if um, if it's any consolation, it's like something that I've felt and I've heard other people say that if you know you, it's like there's never been anybody who seems to have been better suited for adversity hmm. than than you and your family. And I really have felt that and said that to people and, you know, for people that are listening, they're going to get just a, a brief glimpse into your personality. But when you, when you talk about your faith, I just feel like that I don't know how to explain it other than to say that, um, you know, in the best of ways, I guess I'm glad it was you and your family that this had to overcome and face some of the challenges that you have as a family and that I admire you, you folks for, for doing it. And, um, yeah, it's just a real testament to the strength of your relationship with your spouse and, and with your family and the way that you guys have been able to navigate life with such grace and especially having started at such a young age. It's remarkable. Well, and,
1: and Ryan and I didn't talk about this beforehand, but I was literally... I had that pretty much same thing ready <laughs> to go to say. It's like, I know you and Court both pretty pretty well. And, uh, I mean, you guys are just you're so patient and uh, uh, that's one question I wanted to ask as well Is um, it sounded like you had something to say so you can say what you were going to say first, but like, do you think your patience has grown over these last 10 years as well?
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the I, I do appreciate hearing that from you guys. Cause man, I tell you, there's some days where you, uh, rough days and, it's just nice to know that there really are people out there that do care about you, like you as a person, you know? So I do appreciate that. And um, do I think that we've learned patience in the last 10 years? <laughs> yes,
1: I do. <laughs> well, because I would say that you you were both already, like, very patient people, like demeanors, just yeah. naturally. Yeah, but lower key. Yeah.
2: Yes, but I also... Okay, so... I have to remind myself of certain things or court reminds me of certain things a lot. And God never gives you more than what you can handle. Mm-hmm. And in a tough season, I have to remind myself that that we are in this tough season for a reason. And what is that reason? That's why I always I I didn't used to look at it that way. I just be like this sucks, this is tough. I didn't quite have maybe the most mature outlook on it, you know. I just be like why us? You know, we used to ask that a lot like not like not in a spiteful way, but just, like, in a general curious way of, like, why us? Like, why Brandon? He's such a beautiful soul. Like, his, he's just got a heart of gold. Why him? Like, he can't walk. He can't talk. He was actually, when he was two, he was actually able to take steps on his own. And then he started to regress with some seizures. And it's just like, why is he going through all this? Why are we going through all this? Like, what did we do wrong? But then I have to sit back and think... um, there's a reason. And I, a lot of it, like I said, is learning pace, like learning to slow down, learning like what is our pace and and be okay with that. But also a lot of it is, like I said before too, you know, when, like you were talking about like people who know hardship are more likely to be givers, right? And I tell you what, like through our hardships, I think our hearts have just gotten bigger. And we care deeper about people, you know, um, and we care deeper about people's like what they're going through And some people, you know, they even say, Oh, you know, I know it's not as tough as what you guys have gone through. It's like, well, everybody's gone through, everybody's challenges are different and comparisons are, are not good. And everybody's equipped with different ways of handling it and of, of handling adversity or whatever, you know, and I think a lot of it is just, it's an opportunity to grow and it's, it's not fun. But if you think of it that way, like, what can I learn in this season? There's always something to learn. There's always something that, you know, can change your perspective or change your heart or change how your mind perceives the situation. Cause sometimes we've gone through a hardship and then on the other side of things, it's like, God just connected something where it just, like, it made sense. Like, we went through this season because we were supposed to get here and meet this person, and this is what happened, and it made it a lot. It made it make sense, you know, it made it come together. Or sometimes, you know, you're in the hospital, and you're like, this sucks, and, you know, you're on, you're on your walk because you've been in the hospital room with the nurses coming in and out, and the doctors coming in and out, and you finally just get a chance to breathe, you know. And so you're on your little walk, and you get to meet someone. Or there's been times where I've I've walked by and seen, you know, other patients that um, that are that seem seemingly are struggling, you know, quite more than like what you are, right? And you just sit there and think, like, that this sucks for us and them, but there's something here for us, you know. Um, and sometimes it's like meeting nurses, or like, you know, sometimes nurses will say the same thing, like, you know, like I see people like you guys, and it just, you know, like I'll remember you guys because you guys have touched my hearts. Were we were we there in the hospital specifically to meet that person and kind of give them a little bit of encouragement? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> because that's not a fun way to spend your life. But um <laughs> but I guess just looking for I, I mean, yes, our hearts have been I, I think our hearts have grown a lot. Um but also, you know, we we try and see like outside, like the 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 dynamics around us, right? Like like I said, sometimes we meet people and they're like, "You've really touched us," you know. Like I really needed to, like I, I won't forget you guys, you know. And it's like we were we were we were in that moment at the right time at the right place with the right person for a reason, you know. Yeah, it's
0: like you're not seeking out those opportunities, but no. just by way of the the life that you're living, I feel like I'm not the only person that sort of just admires you guys for, for navigating life with such grace, like I said earlier. So, um, yeah, that's an incredible gift that you have given to people, many that have said it to you directly, it sounds like, but maybe many others that just know your story and your circumstances that um, draw inspiration from you.
1: Well, I'm glad we could do something for someone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, man. Um,
1: um I have a question that's yeah. kind of from right field. Um, and I don't know if you've made this thought about this connection at all, but Brandon's not the first person in your life that's had lots of medical complications. You had a really good friend, Matt Ram, yeah. um, who had cystic fibrosis, right? Yep. And was in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. He's His, a hospital
2: warrior. That's where that term exactly. came from. Exactly. I, thought of, I yep. thought
1: of him when, when you said that. Yeah. Um, but have you thought back to that? Um, oh, yeah. Just I, think, of, I think about him a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Sorry. Keep
1: keep going. Well, yeah. I mean, just, just that experience of being such good friends with Matt, um, do you feel like it helped equip you in any way for kind of what you've experienced with Brandon?
2: I mean, if it did, it was just a taste of it, right? Um, yeah. It wasn't life. I guess it was life-changing in a way. I mean, Matt was one of my best friends, and he's – he passed away, but, um, watching what he had to go through, like, um, he had treatments, um, especially with cystic fibrosis, they were respiratory type treatments. And, you know, he, if you didn't have those treatments, he had a hard time breathing, but I just saw how different his life was. Like as far as, as far as what you can deem a successful day. And, and I guess you can even lump in like. Brandon, Brandon's case too. In it, a successful day looks like just living, and for right. most normal people, they don't think about that. Like, you know, Brandon was, or I mean, Matt was getting down to like fifty percent oxygen capacity in his lungs. I mean, literally, as he was living, he was, you know, so he was at such a deficit for oxygen, and you know, his capacity for everything was going downhill. But he kept, still kept a good spirit, you know. Um but yes, all the treatments that he had to do, I mean, he couldn't even stay the night sometimes because he had to go home and do respiratory treatments. Like, And you kind of, you know, like uh, give him the old, hey, you know, you don't need to do those. You can stay. No big deal. You know, peer pressure him. You know, he'll stay. <laughs> And then he's like, no, because if I don't go home, I can't breathe and I won't sleep, you know. And I remember one time he did stay the night because we peer pressured him and he stayed. (laughs) And I remember thinking all You know he wanted to, though. (laughs) Yeah, well, he did. And uh, I remember all through the night I, I woke up and he was, I mean, almost like, it was like, dude, do you need to go to the hospital? Like, he was not breathing well. He was coughing and just sounded not good. Like, it. And he's like, just take me home. And I remember it was 1 a.m. And I took a moment. And it finally clicked. I'm like, this is why he goes home, because he can't sleep, and he starts to get into a condition that's not safe for his health. Especially whenever you start thinking 50% lung capacity, like in, in that kind of deficit of oxygen saturation for that long, is not good. Yeah. But that was that was what he was going through. You know, that was his his lot in life. Unfortunately, you know, he he. Uh, but he 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 dealt with dealt with it as best as he could right yeah. like he 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 definitely had a good attitude about it you know like that's what as I always, much as you possibly can right i mean everybody's human and there's those low moments but he handled it as best as he could
1: yeah that's what i always remember about matt is he for everything he was going through he always brought like a smile and good energy
2: and a magic trick <laughs> <laughs> little sleight of
1: hand for you he was he was just a he was a fun kid, yeah <laughs> yeah for sure,
2: yeah, I do think about him very often um, and there are some comparisons, and Matt was alive when brandon was um th- there was some you know some overlap e- overlap and uh uh <laughs> so i did i did kind of. What's the word? Kind of, I kind of reached out to Matt or talked with Matt. We had conversations um, about like, like how do you handle this? Like, you know, like you have a better perspective on this than I do right now because I'm just learning this. You've been living this, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's one grit I've always had is not getting a picture with him and Brandon as like hospital warriors mm-hmm. because yeah, he had such a respect for Brandon too, and I know that a Brandon could talk. He he would have said the same thing, you know that that what Matt was going through, you know that they would have found a lot of mutual respect. I think. Yeah. You know? That's totally. Cool.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the fun run. Yeah. That was when was that?
2: So it was it was uh, the Saturday of Father's Day this year. So it was June nineteenth, I think it was. So the <laughs> the first thing I think about, and I
0: was ta- just talking to Shannon about this before we started, but um this was the only way i've seen let's go brandon in a non-political <laughs> <laughs> form yeah you sure did yeah they, they did it and they got some laughs out of it too it's
2: so good yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's much more smarter than i am but yeah there was uh blake franklin uh evan o'grady Evan, evan and my uh, brother-in-law yeah yeah <laughs> shannon's brother-in-law and Daniel Van Cleef, and they uh, they made white T shirts. Then when each one of them stood in order, it said "Let's go, Brandon." <laughs> so they took a picture of our, our son Brandon. So it was great. Yeah, that one's gonna be a wall hanger in, in Brandon's room. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Nicole uh, Stewart spearheaded this. This was actually that was actually that fun run event was actually her idea that uh, she. Br- so it was faith centered sponsor the church that we go to. We actually go um, through parts of the season. We actually attend two churches, Life Church Pendleton that comes from Pallet Rock and then Face Center. So Face Center sponsored the 5K fun run for Brandon. Nicole Stewart was the mastermind behind it all. And basis on kind of what we, or what Nicole kind of spearheaded it on was we were actually doing a home edition for Brandon that we're setting up in a, a room that's, um, for disability support like going forward um, and to help with his needs especially as he gets bigger but um it was a pretty popular event people really liked it and there was a um it was a fun run that was totally free to participate and we just did a raffle so we we, we raffled off um, some sponsored prizes and uh we we had people from all over um helping with the raffle or, or purchasing raffle tickets mm-hmm. um from like as far as Texas and Austria, German Joe. Oh, yeah. 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 So, Austria, <laughs> halfway around the world, we were getting people, you know, wanting to buy tickets to help out Brandon. And I mean, helping out us, but helping Brandon.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I was officiating at a wedding that weekend. So, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, I was really bummed out, but it was a pretty cool event. I was glad to see what was going on. And,
1: I think one of the first things you and Ryan connected on was wanting to talk about the special needs community in yeah. Pendleton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's that experience been like since since you guys had Brandon and and where's it at now?
2: So when we had Brandon, we didn't have anybody. We were figuring it out, and a lot of it was information coming to us from people like, "Hey, have you heard of this? Or have you heard of this family? Or you know, this family did this, and they talked to these people, and that's how they. That's a lot of back door kind of uh, networking. So, with that being said, Court and I—it's been on our hearts for a long time, and we—we've we, been doing a home edition, so that's been tying up a lot of our time. But when 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 uh, when when life kind of settles down a little bit for us, we would like to start up a, a disability like support uh, community in town. Not necessarily like you know a brick and mortar building, but like. Just like a networking, like a better networked disability community that that um, includes services in town that are provided, but also families in need or families who are experiencing, you know, needs. Um it's creating creating community. Yeah, because there's really not much right now. Like I said, it's a lot of back doors. Like, hey, have you heard of this family? You know, they you know, we we kind of worked with them on this, you know, and so it was kind of learning as we went, right. And um, we didn't know anything. I mean, we literally knew nothing. We were not 19 just trying to figure it out, but it's been on our hearts that we want to be there for people who are going to be behind us in the same situation. If we can, you know, if we can be there to help somebody, cause it's not only do you just have a newborn, you know, just had a newborn, but now you're starting to find out that your world is going to be changed mm-hmm. and you don't know how that's going to look like or what it's, you know, you don't know what to think, you know, like what do we do now? Like, I've never been in this before, you know, or potentially could have never been in that before. So it's like, how do we fill that gap? Like, how do we, how do we, or how do we bridge the gap? You know, mm-hmm. um, of, so it's funny because, the, you know, we've been starting to networking with some other uh, families that have, you know, either children or themselves that have disabilities around town, around the community, or just even Umatella County. And, The experience that they have garnished in, like, 20, 30 years of having a disability themselves or a child with disabilities is huge. I mean, um, and just, just, like, just even pointing the finger in the right direction. Like, you need to go talk to these attorneys because that's one thing you don't think about when you have disability is when Brandon turns 18, we lose guardianship. So we actually have to have it in writing that we remain his guardians and his caretakers legally. After he turns 19, otherwise he becomes a ward of the state. Mm. Well, and something I thought about
0: earlier is, you know, in the earlier parts of our discussion, um, you mentioned like going out for a date and childcare, and just saying like, no, you, you really don't understand what you're signing up for. So whether it's resources for that or just having like minded folks that can relate to those experiences, I think would be a great benefit.
2: So like, I I mean it's still a raw idea being you know um, worked out, but it definitely is on our hearts to do something. And um, I, I okay, so I'm, this is me personally speaking. Before we had disability in our families, there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand. Like it's it's hard to understand until you you're in those shoes, right? And sometimes people who don't have that same experience, it's hard for them to relate right so you're kind of like who who's my support right like who do i talk to about these things that seems seemingly nobody really understands or maybe doesn't care and you know but but then other disability families they get it you know they're like hey we've been we've been there like we've been talking with people about certain things that's just like you know like this has been kind of like something that we've been internalizing for years you know and we just don't know how to like kind of you know get figure it out and get past it you know mm-hmm. And maybe maybe it's just me not court but probably a little bit of both of us but then like other families like we get it we've been there for 20 years and you know it's 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 just one of those things that you know you you can find support and people who can relate really well right so there's that and i think that we need to build that part of the community you know like that 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 there is one information sharing networking but also the support you know like we get it we've been there you know we've been doing this for 30 years or whatever, you know, and, and th- those are the couples that we look up to There's a couple or multiple couples in town with children with disabilities that we kind of looking up to and trying to start making connections with and relationships, you know, share life together. And then the other thing I see is, is maybe, and this would be a lot harder one to sway because of reasons I already talked about, but like providing services. So maybe, the, the parents of a kid with a disability, maybe not like leave the kid at home, but like, Hey, why don't I, you know, like I got medical, um, like a medical background. Why don't I go with you guys? Like, like, let's say like out to the casino or something and you guys do your dinner night and I'll take your, your, um, child, you know, um, just basically to the family fun center or whatever. And you know, that they're in good hands. This is, you know, my background And, you know, we'll never be more than five, 10 minutes apart. And if there's any issues, then I'll call you. Because Mm -hmm. that is one thing also is if you choose to go 20 to 30 minutes away, especially with my wife, that's all she's thinking about. She's not, I mean, we're on a date, right? But she's sitting there thinking like, when are we going to get called? You know, we should probably just go back. Like things could go wrong, you know? And it's like, okay, well, like, let's just give it a chance. You know, let's give them (laughs) a chance, you know? Mm -hmm. But their mind's there. And then they're more relieved to just go back home and be with, their kid and you know that that's it's more i guess part of it is just a comfortability thing that you maybe have to break through a little bit but i think part of it is just like you know it it just it it can happen it is a thing and Mm -hmm. um problems can arise and and that's typically when you know you know your kid the best and you you need to be there so stuff like that you know um I don't know exactly what the uh, dynamics of that, all the pieces of the puzzle look like right there just yet. But I think as as we go forward, I think that's a much needed thing is to give, to, to, to break free a little bit, you know, and just breathe. Just get a chance to breathe. Like, like I talked about before, like when we were in survival mode, we probably should have gone out and just got a breath of fresh air for a little bit, you know, and just got back to each other as a couple, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that it's you you rely on each other so much you know and uh, you know when when you're going through a rough season and and you got to really lean on each other and sometimes you just need a chance to breathe um and and i think that's really needed um and i think you know if if I, if we talked with some other couples that have you know disabilities themselves or 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 children's with disability they would say that too like you know sometimes we just we just need a, like an hour hour and a half just to maybe you can go get a cup of ice cream or whatever and just sit and just be together and just kind of kind of let the worries melt away. Just, just a break for a little bit, you know, and I think that's much needed. And so that's kind of the, some of the things that I'm, that my mind is thinking about, you know, what does that look like going forward and how, you know, what, what does it look like as we get it started, you know? And, and it doesn't, doesn't have to be any one thing, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just a very, um, primitive, raw idea of, of something that we want to do for the community, you know, that our hearts are definitely, um, geared towards. Yeah. So that, that's been on our hearts. Um, and honestly, it's probably something that we've prayed about. God would just like open the doors right away. Um, and, and, and it has been on our minds and, and on our hearts for praying about, but, um, I guess we're kind of being a little bit selfish. I'm trying to finish an edition <laughs> <Yeah>. first. <laughs> yeah, a little tied up right now. <laughs> a little tied up. But, yeah, so definitely, I mean, in, in the works for the future. Like, that is so big on our hearts right yeah. now. Well, and I think that, you know, we talked
0: earlier about you being willing to accept life at the speed that it is. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about this conversation that you and I had and how, you know, you had first sort of mentioned that what's been at least a few months ago, yeah. mm -hmm. but it had weighed on me significantly. And so I'm excited to see where that leads. And, um, you know, in a timeline that, um, is yet to be determined, but I, I look forward to seeing how that develops for sure. So, yeah. Well, do we have anything else? I don't think so, man. I I just really appreciate your your openness and your honesty and, and being, you know, your willingness to share your adventure with all of us. And so, um, you know, you talked about how you felt like it was important for people to just communicate and you were really curious about the different stories that everybody carries with them when you see them, you know, throughout town or whatever. And so I think that I, I really admire and appreciate your willingness to tell just a little bit about your story today, Brett. And I think that's how, we all learn a little bit about each other and grow so thanks for for being open with us and thanks for joining us today and um you know i hope we get to continue to visit and connect over the years here so heck yeah uh, say so thanks for letting me ramble
2: on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's a f- few goodies in there i hope <laughs> It's a pleasure to have you, Betty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That'd we be...
1: appreciate you joining us. And if Brian, if you're still
2: listening, we swear you're a good person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, uh, I, shouldn't,
2: I mean, I guess he's a brother, so I guess in some ways you kind of have to run him down in a little bit, but <laughs> but in other ways, he's he's a good he's a good brother. And if we can break you
0: away later this summer, we won't share the exact location, but we will hopefully uh, be able to tell some good stories on the water here soon too. So
2: I can. All
0: right, thanks.